and welcome to Head to Head, an Investment Week podcast. I'm Kathleen Gallagher, Futures Editor at Investment Week. And today, we are discussing the possibility of stagflation and recession. Joining us is Sylvia Delangelo, Senior Economist at Federated Hermes International, and Salman Ahmed, Global Head of, Mac- of Macro and Strategic Asset Allocation at Fidelity. They talk us through the differences between the two scenarios, what are the most important factors and players, and how they are positioning themselves in the face of an uncertain future. Hello and welcome. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, To start off, do you mind introducing yourselves? Sylvia, would you go first, please? Um, thank you, Kathleen. So my name is Silvia Dallangelo. Uh, I'm a senior economist for Federated Hermes. Um, and so my role is really to share uh, and identify uh, macro themes uh, for the investment teams in the investment floor. Perfect. And Salman? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Salman Ahmed. Uh, I'm responsible uh, for uh, running the global macro and strategic asset allocation function at Fidelity International. Uh, our, our main focus is on macro analysis to support asset allocation decisions by our uh, investment teams and also build capital market assumptions uh, for long-term risk and return projections, which underpin our strategic asset allocation frameworks uh, used by our, 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 our clients and investors. Perfect. Great. Um, well, so today we're, we're talking about something on a lot of people's minds at the moment, particularly with um, central banks making decisions, um, stagflation versus recession. Um, so to start off, Salman, could you just explain to everyone what the difference is between the two? Sure. So basically, it comes down to the, uh, the mixture of growth and inflation dynamics um, stagflation uh, in the textbook approach is obviously uh, centered around the experience in the 1970s when we had a persistently high inflation uh, and, and, and a very weak growth environment, uh, which led to increase in unemployment rate. So, uh, so the business cycle uh, was under pressure as well, whilst uh, a recession is, is, uh, is much more, uh, uh, you know, uh, a more frequent phenomenon, if you will, especially in the last 20 years, when you have a, a concurrent uh, decrease in, in inflation and growth. Uh, so so the, uh, how inflation into, uh, uh, inflation and, and growth interplay works and, and maps out really defines uh, whether we're in a stagflation regime versus uh, uh, in a recession regime uh, 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 in terms of whether growth is driving the damage or, or inflation is. Gotcha. Um, and Sylvia, in, in this current environment, what are kind of the major factors at play in the market that can determine which one we're there we're in? So, uh, if you look at the current numbers, uh, there's obviously clear-cut evidence that we have we have some stagflationary type, type dynamics in place. So, inflation being very very high, uh, much above target, uh, 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 especially in the developed market world. Uh, and then we have also seen some evidence of slowdown in growth momentum. But I would highlight that uh, those are much more uh, uh, in terms of delta changes in the momentum of those two key variables rather than the 70s types, uh, uh, type regime when we have persistently high inflation uh, uh, 
which was partly driven by a very important supply shock uh, coming from uh, from uh, from the uh, OPEC uh, embargo, which has some similarities to the current environment, but it, it lasted for several years. Uh, and 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 was much more persistent, but in the current environment, the, the fact that we have very high inflation uh, and and, uh, uh, and and a growth momentum which is uh, slowing down is the reason why stagflation and stagflation dynamics are top of mind uh, when it comes to uh, uh, to investors when they are thinking about their asset allocation or or in terms of uh, uh, outlook for different risk premium. Brilliant. Thank you. And Sylvia, is that kind of what you're seeing as well? Or do you see the the factors a little bit differently? Um, Well, I I think that, um, you know, as Salman said, of course, stagflation typically refers to the environment that prevailed in the 70s when basically we had both uh, low growth, high unemployment and uh, and on the other side, high inflation. Um, And of course, there are some similarities uh, in the current circumstances, but also I think that there are more differences compared to um, the the environment and the developments back then. so starting from the similarities, it is true that we have experienced some uh, big supply shock in terms of um, energy and, and particularly oil. Uh, in the 70s, it was, it was more about um, the OPEC determining this like supply shock. Uh, now we have had uh, basically the recovery from the pandemic and then uh, sh- shortly after uh, this war in Ukraine, um, started by Russia, uh, which has uh, given another impetus to um, energy prices. Um, but then um, I think that there are, as I said, there are more differences. So uh, to start with, uh, today's economy is less reliant on oil. And according to science, to some IMF estimates, the global economy's oil intensity uh, is um, was back in the in the 70s about 3.5 times uh, greater than today. Uh, then, of course, we have differences uh, in terms of uh, labor market structures and uh, and specifically in terms of uh, wage setting dynamics. So, back in the 70s, there were some mechanism uh, of uh, inflation indexation, uh, while these days uh, they have largely disappeared, basically. Um, and and then, of course, in terms of monetary policy. Um, Central banks are today independent, uh, and and in general, over the last few decades, uh, central banks' credibility has uh, strengthened. And in general, I think that central banks have the tools to fight high inflation. And um, as the Fed suggested yesterday, they are really uh, willing to uh, to use them, uh, even if that might result. Uh, in uh, in a significant slowdown uh, in the economy and even a recession, and say, um, so in in um, my opinion, um, a recession really is probably the most likely outcome um, coming from the uh, current uh, dynamics um, in terms of what we're seeing in the inflation space and how um, the central banks are reacting to this. Gotcha. And so how important is um, central bank reaction into determining what will happen next? Salman, what do you think? Sure. So uh, basically, I um, uh, uh, they are the critical player uh, in, this, uh, uh, in this environment, for sure. 
uh, I would uh, highlight that actually they made a big mistake last year by <clears throat> excuse me by accommodating the very big fiscal stimulus which came uh, uh, after uh, President Biden and and the Democrats came into power last year. So <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> So, so there is this uh, very significant monetary easing, which was done, uh, and and led to uh, some of the, those very strong demand side pressures uh, at a time when supply side was under uh, under a lot of stress because of uh, the COVID shock and the recurring uh, incidents of lockdowns. Uh, so by keeping policies so significantly easy, uh, and let's not forget, until March uh, the Fed was still doing QE. Uh, 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 the Fed uh, uh, risked uh, uh, a de-anchoring of inflation uh, expectations, especially when we look at the wage inflation spirals uh, which started to take hold. So it's really about now uh, undoing that mistake. Um, and the critical question would be, uh, what price? Uh, at what price that mistake would be unwound? Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, a hard landing scenario whereby you have a recession as a result of uh, a very significant tightening in monetary policy, which is being talked about right now, uh, creating that that scenario. Uh, but I would argue uh, that uh, uh, that this current Fed is not Walker's Fed. Um, and and they will back off from from this tightening uh, once uh, there is more evidence of 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 of, of growth damage. Um, and I would highlight even yesterday's uh, uh, meeting where uh, where Chair Powell uh, ruled out a seventy five basis point hike, uh, even though they, he didn't have to. Uh, and and there's no still evidence that labor market is slowing by in any shape or form. So, so reading through the tea leaves, uh, it, it, it appears to us that this Fed is not going to fight inflation as aggressively as some people think, despite the fact that they are obviously uh, mandated to bring inflation down to 2%. Gotcha. Sylvia, do you, do you agree with that kind of um, analysis of the Fed? Well, the thing is that uh, there is a lot of uncertainty about the underlying parameters of the U.S. economy in the aftermath of the pandemic. And so, I mean, the Fed, I think, is uh, truly determined to bring um, the, the policy rate back to neutral in order to uh, bring inflation under control. But nobody really knows where neutral is, and especially now, uh, because there is so much uncertainty, again, about the underlying uh, structural parameters of the economy after the pandemic. And so I think that the only way they have uh, is basically to uh, to proceed with their tightening uh, cycle uh, as long as there is an impact on, on the economy. And, and at that point, they will probably stop. At that point, it might be too, too late. Um, and uh, in going back to the neutral rate um, story, um, I think there's now like a, a broad-based belief that after the pandemic, the neutral rate has increased somewhat, um, given that, well, we have seen a bit of, of a pickup in productivity growth uh, and, 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 and possibly in, in investment. Um, but uh, I'm not really sure whether that pickup will be sustained and whether 
that structural change has happened, you know, in the aftermath of the pandemic. So I think that there is a risk of overestimating, let's say, the, the economy's ability of um, of withstanding uh, more uh, monetary uh, tightening. Um, and in terms of um, soft landing, which is the narrative that the Fed is trying to, to, to sell, um, I mean, they happen, of course, but they rarely happen. So like 80% of the Fed hiking cycles since the 70s have ended with a recession. And, and I think it would be tricky for the Fed to, to calibrate the right amount of tightening. Uh, and so while a recession is not like a given, it is, I think, a very material risk. Yeah, absolutely. And so beyond central bank policy, which obviously um, a very key factor in all this, what else should investors be keeping an eye on when we're talking about stagflation and recession? Salman, what do you think? Uh, I think uh, um, the evolution of supply side issues uh, will be important. Um, of course, the zero code policy uh, being enforced by China has added a further uh, stresses in the system uh, and we are seeing data now showing uh, that uh, that that supply side disruptions are once again uh, you know uh, becoming visible and then secondly which is probably arguably more important is what happens to oil prices uh, from here uh, we have already have seen talk of uh, EU ban on Russian oil as well that is going to be a significant development if it happens. Uh, so sensitivity uh, are, uh, of, of, for example, EU completely cutting off Russian oil uh, means that oil can go to uh, $150, $160 uh, if, uh, if, if other countries do not pick up uh, uh, that, uh, that supply from, from Russia. So that is an important uh, key variable and uncertain variable in, uh, uh, in the current mix which unfortunately neither the market nor the Fed has a very strong anchor on because uh, it's really an exogenous shock uh, in its uh, purest form. Uh, so, so those two factors are going to be important in terms of uh, uh, where inflation really uh, heads through going forward uh, and, and, and then of course that intensity of supply shock. Uh, another point related to that is, is that the Fed does not control uh, uh, or have any influence on on where oil prices go, or uh, uh, or 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 the or the damage which has happened to the supply side because of, for example, China China's uh, zero COVID policy, and then legacy issues coming from from, from the pandemic itself. Uh, what they can control is aggregate demand, uh, and and that's where the monetary policy, for example, it can be quite effective. But those two forces on the supply side are not minimal. They are quite dominant forces as well, which can potentially keep inflation quite high, uh, no matter what the Fed does. Gotcha. Sylvia, is there anything else from your perspective that, that's going to play an important role here? Uh, well, as Salman said, of course, uh, that the the, the U.S. and the Fed clearly do not move in a in a vacuum, uh, and um, there are a lot of external developments that uh, can really um, affect developments in the U.S. economy itself, and of course the trajectory for uh, Fed policy, um, monetary policy, um, and so all all the factors that 
uh, Salman highlighted are absolutely valid. And so this, um, this like Chinese lowdown um, and all the um, headwinds that China is facing uh, in terms of, of course, the self-imposed zero COVID policy um, and also the uh, the curbs on um, on tech regulation and on the property sector, which is now correcting uh, very painfully, uh, but also um, uh, the fact that commodity prices have increased a lot and China is a net importer of commodities uh, and also the uncertainty about growth in, in Europe, um, which is uh, still one of the main destinations for, for Chinese exports. Um, I would also add that in terms of um, like implications of, of, of Fed uh, tightening, they go well beyond um, the US. And so uh, most emerging markets are still um, financing themselves in um in dollar, uh, the dollar is still the global reserve car- currency. Uh, and so we have already seen some tightening in financial conditions in terms of higher US yields, in terms of stronger dollar. Um, and, and I guess that's another reason why the Fed ca- can't really go too far in terms of tightening. But there's a risk that inadvertently uh, they go too far um, compared to what not just the US economy, but also um, other economies outside the U.S. can withstand. Gotcha. And so I guess in the face of all of these dynamics, the, the million dollar question for people will be how should they be positioned? Do you have any kind of guiding thoughts on that? Silvia, do you want to kick us off there? Uh, well, it, it's it's obviously against a backdrop of high inflation and and, and aggressive monetary policy. Uh, risk assets are under pressure, uh, and 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 of course um, we need to remain cautious about risk assets. But at the same time, we have to be uh, nimble, and so that's I guess where active investors can make the difference in terms of picking the the right names that. Are maybe less sensitive to to inflation. Uh, the companies that can pass um, higher cost on to consumers and and also uh, that well, I'd say the companies that have pricing power. Um, again, my base case is that. Um, Inflation will eventually go down uh, over the next year, uh, mainly driven by slower demand, um, and 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 so uh, that the threat from high inflation should eventually uh, dis- disappear. And um, and 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 if uh, if the, let's say uh, concerns about growth prevails, we might need to uh, let's say focus more on a defensive uh, setting for for investment. Uh, But again, because there is so much uncertainty, I guess that we have to be nimble and be ready to different uh, scenarios. Salman, what about yourself? Anything that's kind of guiding your investment principles at the moment? Sure. So so right now, uh, we are cautious in our uh, tactical asset allocation grids. uh, And we've been cautious for some time now. Uh, it's an environment where central banks have turned hostile uh, as a result of of, of, of missing this inflation, very important trend, uh, uh, and, and sustained upside surprises in inflation. Uh, 
So, uh, so, so that caution is right now is being expressed through equities and credit as well. Um, until very recently, we were underweight duration risk or bonds, uh, government bonds uh, in the TDM as well. But we are now starting to uh, have a reassessment of that risk premium uh, and then linking it much towards data. Uh, so in terms of the different scenarios which can pan out, as Sylvia was mentioning, uh, so of course recession is one of those scenarios. But then there is another scenario still that you know uh, inflation remains stubbornly high or settles at a higher level uh, than uh, we have been used to over the last 22 or uh, 25 years. Uh, so there are some significant regime shifts uh, in place. And let's not uh, forget the overarching geopolitical environment. It is, is remains volatile. Um, of course, the Russia-Ukraine war and, 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 and how the developments uh, 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 go through uh, going forward, but also the U.S.-China decoupling overall is, a, is an important long-term development, which will have uh, implications on key risky asset risk premium. But short term, we are more cautious uh, and, and we think uh, that better opportunities uh, for, uh, for taking uh, you know, higher than normal risks uh, will, will present themselves once uh, the current uh, near-term uncertainties pass through. Gotcha. So, I mean, what I'm gathering is we're kind of still in a bit of uncertainty at the moment about what the, the future holds. So a lot of lots to keep an eye on at the moment. <laughs> Um, brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for explaining all that and taking the time to speak with us. Um, and I'm sure we'll hear from you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.